0: Okay, hi everyone. Uh, welcome to another iTalk with Tui. Um, delighted to. Um, well, actually, I don't know if I am delighted because we're going to be talking about something. Um, that I'm. I'm a little bit. That's terrifying the life out of me. So anyway, welcome back to iTalk, Steve Pitcher from iTech Solutions. Steve, how are you, my friend? Good buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And I. I hope you're the same. Well, you're. You've got less hair than me. So well, we'll come. We'll come to that later. <laughs> they, they, um... <laughs> a little less hair, just a little bit. So, um, so, Steve, the the topic of conversation that we're going to be talking about. Um, when when you filled me in on the details of this, I, I'm sorry. I I will be honest. I am gobsmacked by what you told me. Okay. Good. So, um, and and I'm a little bit scared. I will I will tell you that as well. So, okay. so come on, scare everybody who's
1: listening. Wow, you know, I, gobsmacked. It's okay to be gobsmacked. I, I, I'm not trying to scare people. Because um, there's, if you're aware that there's a threat, then at least you can do something about it. So you're, you're, you're now aware of the risk, um, and that's a valuable uh, bit of information. You know, if you, if you, if you're aware of risk, then you can uh, work to mitigate mitigate that risk um or at least lessen the overall damage of that risk um so uh you know i i reached out to you there a couple of days ago uh week ago probably and said hey paul i got something uh, to talk about regarding malware on ibmi and um you know we uh, i'll just give you a couple of statistics on some of the things that i've seen and uh uh, By no means is this a scientific study, this is purely anecdotal, um, but there is some value. Um, 2018, I think i recovered one machine from a malware attack. 2019, probably four or five, 2020, it was about 10 majority of those on on the last half of the year. And in 2021, I've done 13, 14 um, system recoveries, uh from january till april 2021 um so that's a lot um so from a malware perspective um i think bitdefender had estimated a 715% increase in malware from 2020 2019 to 2020 and uh, i can't remember who the other group was but they 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 estimated a 6000% increase for 2020 to 2021 um so there's a lot of more stuff out there Um, hitting customers and if you know on a standard day if you throw a few things at the wall and something sticks great but when you're throwing millions of things at the wall you're going to have more things stick and I think that's where the the uh, the problem is arising for the ibmi community Um, because they're getting hit with malware more often and because the I would say the rudimentary steps are not always being followed uh, those that aren't following those rudimentary steps are getting burned. And by being burned, I mean doing a restore 21 uh, to get back yeah, into so business.
0: So I just want to make sure that everybody's clear on this, Steve. So what sure. we are talking about here is malware on the IBMI.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Malware attacking an IBMI, not necessarily malware on the IBMI. It's on there, you know, once once it yeah. starts uh, or the results are on there on the system. Um, once an attack happens so yeah historically we've had the um, had the viewpoint uh, that and it's, it's, it's correct in many ways that IBM I is virus resistant, you know, it is if you're operating within the QSYS environment, a program is only going to operate as a program object should a, you know, uh, a source member for RPG uh, where SQL is going to operate as a source member should. You cannot take that and use it maliciously, or use it in a way that the system will not allow it to be used. You haven't. Seen,
0: you haven't seen my code,
1: Steve. Yeah. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> not intentional, but you haven't. Seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, we're, if We're talking about bad code, Paul. Uh, you haven't seen my code. Okay. <laughs> It compiled good, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pretty, but she's gonna work. Um, so yeah, yeah IBM is virus resistant to that regard. But when, when you take the system and you open up windows to that system um, by way of SMB protocol file shares through NetServer, if you open up the QSYS library file system, uh, in a uh, Windows SMB environment or, you know, any type of it, it doesn't have to be Windows. But if I open that up in a file share from a client, be it Linux or Windows or what have you, um, and I have appropriate rights to those objects by way of either a lack of uh, proper private authority on the objects or um, by way of all object special authority, if I have a map with those credentials that satisfy uh, any of those two issues, Um, then I have the ability to really take apart a system uh, inadvertently by clicking on something I shouldn't click on, maybe open an attachment um, that has a macro, the macro kicks off. I have a drive map to my IBM i's root directory and uh, that thing kicks off and starts uh, systematically disabling or destroying my system. And that's usually how it happens. It's very easy to do um, inadvertently. It's not intentional on on any user's end, of course, for the most part, uh, unless it is a malicious attack. Um, but uh, for the most part, it's an innocent move. Somebody clicks something they shouldn't click, and then you have uh, something tearing apart your network, trying to encrypt or destroy anything it finds in its way, including IBMi, and it will take no prisoners. IBMi is not um, inherently protected against that type of attack unless you configure it to be. So, so Steve, uh, uh,
0: has this been a just one particular type of malware that, that you've noticed or has it been malware, ransomware, <laughs> just the whole gamut that, that that's out there?
1: I'd say 75% is ransomware. Um, so it's you know, software that will encrypt uh, your data or your objects rather um, and um, the other half I've seen, or sorry, the other 25% is literally just destructive malware. That's that's a really high number for stuff that just goes out there and wants to tear things apart with no other reason than just to do it. Um, I'm not sure why that is. Um, and I'm not sure why that the uh, the drastic increase over the last two years in malware uh, has been. Maybe it's you know twofold. I think most people are currently vulnerable Okay, no matter what business you're in, you've had to probably alter your business for the for good or for bad. Um, you know, people that are just they're they're not in a great business to be having during a pandemic. Uh, tourism, okay. So if, if if you're a company that is in the tourism industry. Um, and, and my, my wife owns a mini golf course, an indoor mini golf course. And, uh, you know, I see it on the bottom line. I see it when we're in lockdown, that it's not good for business to have people unable to come and spend your money. Uh, it's not good. So people in those industries, they have to pivot. They have to lay people off. They're already down. And this stuff is maybe taking advantage of that, especially the ransomware stuff. So it sees a company who's down, you know, um, and it's 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 a great target because it's gonna kick them when they're down. And say hey, if you want to save what's left of your business, you're gonna you know pony up some Bitcoin, and um, uh, you're, you're you're at least back in business. If they actually give you the ability to decrypt your uh, your objects, um, which is not always the case. The other side of the coin is that some companies are positioned very well from a pandemic perspective. Um, you know, I could imagine uh, people who make sanitizers you know you're already in that type of field that you're uh, you're making i know people in uh, a couple of my customers are in apparel they make clothes what have they been doing for the last nine months ten months they've been making ppe gear smocks and capes and blankets and this and that they're making hay they're doing real well and they got deep pockets you know because of that or at least a good war chest because of that they can afford to pay if they're uh, information gets encrypted, so it's got kind of a twofold. Uh, everybody is vulnerable, no matter how they're doing. If they're doing really poorly because of the pandemic, and, and they're doing really well because of the pandemic, um, I think that's probably why uh, these malware makers are, are are certainly making hay right now. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's. Um, but I I find this a really really scary thing, Steve. So 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 I mean, is do you think it's a thing that historically? Uh, this is just something that you, you know. When the, I remember when the IFS first came out, right? Uh, you know, back in whatever it was, ninety four or whatever. That that, that sort of uh, on on the I series, and um, and I know there was a lot of confusion that people had with it because it was a lot more complicated than shared folders were. Right? <laughs> Let's be honest, that was there before. Okay, and yeah. Um, yeah, so when it came to doing anything like shares and all that. A lot of people just took the easy way and they said, Oh, if I just share the root, that will cover everything. Sure. It'll cover everything. Uh, yeah, and, and it covered everything. And they've just never gone back and fixed it. So is it is that sort of the case? Is that is that how
1: it's been happening for most people? Yeah, but if it's if it's a full restore situation, Paul, um, guaranteed it's a it's a share of a critical directory, either you know, with the root or somebody shares the QIBM. Qs or sys, or sorry, queue um, open sys folders, or even sharing um, qsys.lib. Um, I think there's, there's a fundamental under- misunderstanding of what the IFS is. And I had this conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, the IFS is called the integrated file system for a reason. It integrates all the file systems on the platform under one umbrella. That one umbrella is your slash directory, your root directory. So your root file system contains qsys.live. It contains your DLO file system. It contains um, uh, qopensys, um, all the other ones there. The, 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 there's a few other smaller ones there, uh, file server 400, I think. you know I, I don't even know what that really does, to be honest with you. I don't think it's used much nowadays, no. but all these things are underneath the root. So when you open up the root, you're opening up everything on the system. And if you're opening up everything, then you are relying on your private authority on your objects. That will save you if you set them up correctly. Most of the time, they're not. <laughs> Most of the time, they are shipped, um, you know, uh, there's two things that happen when you ship an IBMI, okay? Net new IBMI comes with the root directory, rewrite, execute. That's seldom taken down to read, execute. So the authority problem Uh, Gets inherited and propagates through the rest of the IFS for custom folders that you build. You have a payroll folder, an EDI folder, or whatever folder. That's usually set to read, write, execute for star public. Not good. Um, And um, the other thing is Q create authority. That's the default um, uh, public authority setting. It's shipped at star change. Okay. It ideally should be star exclude. Next to nobody is running at star exclude. So what happens? You create a library or, or a schema. Star public, star change is what it, and you've got to be diligent because it's not the easiest thing to turn off that Q create authority because you might have something that's worked for 30 years and it builds temporary tables, temporary um, you know, libraries and things like that. And then that process will stop working properly. So you've got to be diligent. I'm going to create a library. I'm going to create tables. I'm going to create programs. I'm, I've got to go into those things and set the authority properly. So, when you have a share of the IFS, that private authority may or may not, in the most case, help you. For those who it does help, um, you locked everything down with uh, proper private authorities, but hey, guess what? You're running security level 20 and everybody has all object. Well, you're running at security level 30, and the way you got from 20 to 30 was put everybody in a group, gave the group all object, then went to Q security 30. <laughs> and, you know, it's and that's the easiest way to get to 20 to 30 it is um you know does it get you there yes does it really do much for you from a security standpoint no it does not i've seen it keeps, shops it keeps the auditor happy you're on level 30 keeps the auditor happy and you don't want to get me started on financial auditors doing it security audits because brother that's a hour and a half conversation by itself um but but, but tell me well, something
0: send me something steve that, that the yeah. okay so it, in a company like again as well in in i would say in most companies like they're going to have a network and they're going to have file shares on some sort of a windows server or some sort of another server a linux server or whatever mm-hmm. um so it, is it a thing that when these companies get these malware attacks that those servers get hit as well sure absolutely or, or, or is it a thing that they that people have security set up properly on those servers so so the malware attack is minimalized on those servers just just sort of that person's personal directories well
1: um, you know Linux if, if you look at the average linux Linux distribution when it when it is installed it's installed pretty secure okay so your risk is a lot lower um, you know in in order to invoke root authority with a pseudo command or something like that. Um, You know, the the, the average user doesn't get to do that. Um, From a Windows perspective, uh, it's it's a little less in my opinion, Um, but still there are some safeguards in there. You know, most people aren't on their domain as a domain administrator. So their rights to a local machine on the network um, is usually pretty minimal, which is, it's good, but doesn't mean that it's uh, infallible. Because most of the time when we see we get a call from an IBMI customer, it's, okay, yeah, we're focusing on the IBMI. Great. We've got these other teams that are focusing on the 132 Windows VMs that just got hosed. And um, we, we have seen that most of the time. So while you know it, it is pretty good, it doesn't mean that you don't have people with map drives uh, with domain admin rights or rights to those local VMs that can... Cause a problem, so it's not just for IBM i. It's it's every operating system. Uh, if you're in charge of your Linux distros, then you need to harden those. If you're you know in charge of your mainframe, you need to harden it. I don't care what it is. Um, anything not protected properly will be destroyed. Yeah, it's kind of how it works, right? So,
0: okay. So so to, to sum this up, then Steve, your your advice to your minimum advice to people what they should be checking on their system right now. Minimum advice. Okay,
1: number. I have two rules. Okay, and the two rules. This is this is Steve's. Uh, you know, list of commandments. I I'm gonna get a I gotta go get a piece of uh, uh, a stepping stone. You know, a garden stone out there and start chiseling in the rules. Number <laughs> one. <laughs> I just had a visual of what that would look like. It's awfully foolish. <laughs> Uh, no, but really, there's, there's two rules, right? So um, only share what you must share. Hmm. Number two, properly protect what you share, all right? So only share what you must. There is no need, no requirement to share the root or any other critical system directory, right? The root, yes, it's IBM's, but technically, you know, it's it's part of that user, uh, user space, I suppose, because you can create subdirectories on a root that's yours. But root, IBM owns root. Do not share root. Do not share any other critical IBM directories like QSYS, like QDLS, like QOpenSYS, QIBM, period. Now, when you do share your um, custom directories underneath the root, you have an EDI folder, a payroll folder, a Bob's folder. I don't care who it is. Um, If you're going to share that, ensure that, hey, if you don't care about the data that's on here, Great, leave it Star public rewrite execute because it's that's what it's for, right? You're not protecting it, everybody can see it and everybody can change it. Okay, fair, it must be not that important then. So you need to check the properties, or the permissions rather, on each of those directories that you do share. If it's an EDI folder, ideally the only things that should be touching that is part of an EDI process. So the profile that runs your EDI. Uh, you have people that do manual intervention with the data that comes into the EDI. We still see that all over the place. Um, have those guys in there. And if they don't need write access, don't give them write access. Maybe they want to just need to do an eyeball before they move it to another, folder. Uh, not move it to another folder, but uh, maybe they need to eyeball something twice a day, get a number out of it, whatever it is. Um, excellent, don't give them write access to it. If they need to edit or move or do something with those objects, okay, fair enough, give them the rights to do that. The goal here is to minimize risk. There is no secure system. But where you can get to is an acceptable level of risk on the system for what you do share. Now, those are the two rules. Underneath those, there's a couple of caveats. Okay. You know, your private authority is only going to save you if you do not have an all object problem. You got an all object problem. Then you can put all the private authority on those objects you want to. It don't matter. So yes, properly protect what you share also includes ensuring that you don't have an excess amount of people on your system with um, all object um, and uh, you know that's that's just that's just uh, something we've talked about since the beginning of as400 you know all object that's that's your super user that's your root user um, I, I was I was doing an assessment for a customer literally this week and um, who you um, they had a, I, I put on some some auditing on uh, on socket connections hitting their system because I'm, I'm just trying to understand where some where some things are coming from. And I noticed this local IP address hitting the system and it's using QSEC offer credentials. Bang, 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 bang. Every three minutes or three seconds rather, QSEC offer was hitting the system. I'm like what's this IP address? Because we've got, somebody's using QSEC offer credentials trying to hit the system from there. And they're like, oh, that's a TwinAX controller attached to a printer. I'm like, oh. Okay, excellent. So why does that have QSEC offer credentials? Don't do that. This is basic stuff. Don't use QSEC offer for anything uh, at all. (laughs) Especially don't, you know, hard code the password somewhere. Um, And, uh, you know, that's that's just the basic stuff. So the two things you can prepare, don't share the critical directories. Properly prepare, uh, properly protect what you share. Number three is make sure you got a good backup. I don't care what you're doing, because if you're not backing up your system, getting the solid user data backup every night, at least get a lick and operating system save, save 22 uh, or save 21 every six months, whether you think it needs it or not. So just as long as you have a recent tape that you can put your fingers on and that'll at least get you back from a a bare metal recovery perspective. so, uh, you know, because DR and security kind of go hand in hand. Most of these events end up into a disaster recovery situation. Okay. That's not, and that's well, not fun.
0: Well, that is what we want to try and avoid. So listen, before we go, Steve, I, I, I touched on this at the very start, and I think it's a good one to finish on, because I, I I quite like this in the times that we're in.
1: Your last <laughs> visit to the hairdresser. So. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny, Paul, because I had... And, and you may look at me and say, he doesn't have much of a haircut. Um, I'm getting a little length and, and I kind of like it. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm uh, letting it grow a, a little bit nicely. And, um, so I was, I went and, and went to my stylist. I have a stylist, 42 year old man has a stylist. Uh, you <laughs> wouldn't really say looking at me, uh, but uh, she's a lady that cuts my hair. So I, I went over to her house and, um, uh, it was bought about a week or two ago, and um, yeah, it's about two weeks ago, and I'm sitting in the chair and listening to the news, and hey, uh, government just says that we're in lockdown. Okay, excellent. We're on a two-week lockdown because our COVID cases are out of control. Aptly timed, I'm getting a haircut. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting time, but it, it was, what was good about it, though, is while I was there, uh, you know, she's like, you know what? I, I haven't hugged anybody in about a year. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm, other than my wife and kids, I haven't hugged anybody either. So, you know, she gave me a hug and it was like, oh, this is excellent. This is the first person I've hugged in a year. And I'm thinking, man, I'm a hugger. When this thing's over, you're not gonna know what a hug is, people. Because when I meet you at a conference, Paul, look out. It's gonna be. You know, it's gonna be rough. <laughs> uh,
0: it, it's it's the first person at the airport who's nice to you, Steve. That 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 that's who I'm worried about.
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, you know what? I think once if I run into Charlie Garino, uh, oh. it's it's probably gonna create some sort of a hug black hole that's gonna envelop the, the Earth or something like that. It's gonna be it's gonna be uh, yeah, it's gonna be out of control. <laughs> Oh, OK I th- I think with that visit vision
0: of you and Charlie creating a back hole from a hook. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Steve thanks for taking uh the time to to talk to me and I do hope everybody pays attention please go have a look at your system check out what what uh, Steve has been telling us and uh, so Steve thank you till the next time
1: you bet buddy thank you
0: Okay, everyone, that's it for this ITalk. Tune in again for the next one. Bye for now.